0: Thanks to Craig Heiss for getting us up to date. Much appreciate everybody tuning into the show as always. Welcome back. Grant and Danny on the fan. Danny is out today. We're taking you up to 6.30 this evening. On the docket the rest of the way, I want to talk about Chase Young and his second game back with the Commanders as he gets ready for his first game at FedEx Field since... Unfortunately, tore his ACL on that surface last football season. And we'll also predict Carson Wentz's stat line against the Cleveland Browns. But right now, I want to go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. Visit BetQL.com. Our buddy Logan Paulson joins me right now. Nobody sharper in this town to break down ball with than old Logie. How are you, pal? Happy holidays, man.
2: I'm good, man. Happy holidays to you, to you too. How did uh, Christmas do for the kids?
0: Oh, they crushed it. Santa was too good. Oh, good,
2: excellent. Yeah, Santa's a beast.
0: My uh, my son, who will be he just turned two in December a week ago. Yep. Uh, he wanted a basketball hoop, which was a basketball hoop. <laughs> so he got a little tykes basketball hoop that he's been dunking on and, and making a lot of shots on. Very impressive. And yep. my uh, my daughter wanted a crib for her doll. And okay. a purple sparkly guitar and a mermaid toy. And she got all those things.
2: Oh, dude. When you're that age, I mean, you just, you're just just making out like a bandit every Christmas, I would think.
0: Oh, they're so fired up. You, dude, we started—they We <laughs> they ripped into their first present at 5.58 in the morning. <laughs> like, not an exaggeration. That's an actual time.
2: I don't doubt it. We have to put some strict regulations on present opening time, nothing before 8 o'clock, which is— I mean, they'll wake you up at five thirty, but no presents open until eight.
0: And I plan on doing that. My kids are a little younger than yours. When my kids are right. old enough to like understand time and everything, <laughs> one thousand percent that's going to happen. But we didn't really have a choice this year. It was either yeah. they're going to open it without us down there watching, or or you know, <laughs> or we're going to get to enjoy it too. So that's the way it went. Uh, what'd you make right. of Rivera going back to Wentz and the, the least surprising quarterback change ever?
2: Yeah, I was just about to say, I mean, this is not surprising at all. I think, you know, even if Taylor, you know, I think Taylor did some really good things in the first half of that San Francisco game. I think you saw some really high-level um, execution on third down, third long situations. Um, but I ultimately think that no matter what he did in that game, this was a transition that was going to happen. And that it's not an indictment of Taylor Heineke necessarily, but like we've talked about before, like everyone's talked about in this town, you know, you gave this guy $28 million. This is a very Spartan quarterback market at the moment you are probably not going to be picking at a point where you can draft a quarterback without doing some gymnastics and trading. I'm not saying that's 100% certain, but you need to make sure that Carson Wentz, this gentleman that you gave up draft cap before, is or is not the answer moving forward, at least in the next year. And right now, through six games, there has not been a large enough sample of that size to make that determination, in my opinion. So I totally understand this. This is a good defense to have them come back against. They're very consistent in what they do. A lot of cover three, man in short yardage situations. Very similar to what Jack does. There should be a lot of kind of, oh, I saw this in practice from Carson, which, again, gives him a good opportunity to show you what he can do. There seems to be kind of a transition in Scott Turner's mentality and approach, which should help Carson as well. But, yeah, I, I think this is expected. I think this is necessary. I think you've got to make these kind of determinations if you want to be kind of if – you're, if you're looking towards the future, which I think any good organization, any, any staff should be.
0: So it sounds like you get the sense – that going back to Wentz isn't just about right now, but really it's about them finding out if he's going to be the guy next year.
2: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a huge factor in this. I think obviously they want to know, they, they think that Carson gives them a little bit of ad. When you talk to Ron Rivera, he's very adamant saying, you know, Carson's arm talent gives you stuff that Taylor's arm talent doesn't. And I think that's obvious, but I also think you're trying to, you're trying to figure out what you got and you're trying to see if that investment you made is going to be paying dividends and, um, and quite frankly, I want to see the same thing. You know, I think, you know, if you look at the season stat lines up until this point, the the Carson stat lines versus the Taylor stat lines are kind of similar. Obviously, start uh, Carson has a little bit more big plays in terms of huge explosive plays, but, um, you know, passing percentage, completion percentage, all those types of things, very similar. I think this is just to kind of see if Carson kind of taking a little bit of hiatus, learning the offense a little bit better, puts you in a better position for twenty twenty three.
0: Logan Paulson with us on Grant and Danny on the fan, design a game plan against the Browns from a schematic standpoint and a play-calling standpoint. Now you're in charge going into Sunday. What are you trying to do?
2: Yeah, you know, this is a question I get a lot, and I always have to preface it by saying what I would do is not necessarily what Scott would do, and what what I would do kind of looks more like what Kyle Shanahan would well, do. Hang on, wanna... hang
0: on a second, but before you keep going, explain yes, that. Sure. What, what do you mean what you would do and what Scott would do are different?
2: Well, so my offensive background, my offensive tree, as it were, is very different than Scott's. You know, he's is, is well-documented coming from his dad, this Norv Turner offense where you want to kind of push the, ver- the ball vertically to open up the mid-game passing game. I'm kind of the opposite of that. I want to run the football, do some play-action shots, move the pocket, give the defense a whole bunch of different things to look at out of the same fronts. So I, I want my run and my pass fronts to look very similar. And that's not necessarily something that Scott abides by 100%. There's elements of that, but I want to live and die by that sword. So if I'm cultivating a game plan for for the Browns, I'm saying, what are our best runs? It's probably duo counter inside zone with some type of truck variation off of it where you pin down by the tight end and pull the tackle to attack the perimeter and the jet sweep action off of it. I want a version of all those in, but I want them out of the same formations, and I want passes out of those same formations. When we get in the third and long situations, we can get into some different passing looks, kind of more spread out looks, but I want early downs. I don't want the defense to know what we're doing, and I want to put Carson and the offensive line in the best position to be successful because I don't want the defense to be able to key off on what we're doing. I hope Scott embraces elements of that because at times this year, he's shown the ability to do that. Um, but I think at his core, offensively, his philosophy differs he wants to get back in the gun, throw the ball deep, open the field up that way. Um, uh, and again, like I don't necessarily abide by that. Um, but this is a week to do it, like I said, because the uh, the Cleveland Bounds are, are relatively straightforward in their defensive philosophy.
0: Logan, why don't they, or why can't they, just run the exact same thing they've been running with Taylor Heineke with Carson Wentz? And if they do that, wouldn't you just get a more productive passing game with a successful rushing attack that wears the defense down?
2: Yeah. I mean, that would be kind of conventional logic. And I think there will be elements of that, but I don't, I think another reason they want to make this change, they want to make this transition is they want to kind of see the final form of this offense or a form that more resembles what they know and what they're familiar with from their time in Carolina. Right. And so I think, getting Carson in there they feel allows them to do that best open up get to different play action pass concepts for the which I think is totally appropriate but also get to different drop back passing concepts and I think you know that's what Scott and this offense wants to be I think Ron and him are always kind of in some type of push-pull relationship of Ron kind of reminding Scott how this offense fits within the context of the team in terms of special teams and defense and Scott trying to to be an innovative offensive mind, and so there is this kind of push-pull here, and I do think that um, Carson, in in the offense that Taylor's running, is a more efficient Carson Wentz. But I also think you're going to see uh, you're going to see Scott try to push that envelope a little bit in terms of offensive creativity and get into stuff that he is more comfortable with. And the reason I say he is more comfortable with that is because you look at the first couple plays of the Giants game; like they're in the gun, they're off with the back offset. They're trying to throw drop back stuff. They're 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 in these gun run situations. I don't think he wants to be under center. I don't think he wants to be kind of three yards on a cloud of dust to set up the play action pass shot. I think he wants to do it differently, and I would expect to see elements of that. Not entirely. I expect to see elements of that this weekend.
0: It's gonna be fifty eight degrees, by the way. The Browns (laughs) don't stop the run. Like this, as you said earlier in the conversation. It sets up as a really nice landing spot for Wentz to get back in there, doesn't it?
2: I mean, I think 100%. I think that this defense, you know, like they run their simple defensive structure from a coverage standpoint. I think they're kind of running into some of the same things that this defense had early in the season. They're, they, kind of, they present simplicity, but there's complex rules based on different formations and different fronts and different personnel that they need to adjust. They seem to be missing those. Uh, Coaching points, um, and they give up big plays from a passing standpoint. The interior of their offensive line has some juice from a pass rush standpoint, but they've been not very consistent in terms of stopping the run. So when I look at this, I say, man, like this matchup is, this favors Washington, right? This favors what they do well attack the middle of the defense, set up your play action pass shots. They do have very outstanding or very talented, let's just say, coverage players in the back end, Ward kind of leading that group or headlining that group. So I do think that this is a good opportunity for Wentz and this offense and the staff to kind of say, hey, look what Wentz can do when he's supported effectively by play calling and by a defense that's playing much, much better than they were earlier in the year. So I think that is probably also part of the motivation of bringing Carson back for this game.
0: He's Logan Paulson. I'm Grant Paulson. Danny's out today. You're listening to the fan. All right, let's swing to the other side of the ball for a moment. When the commander's defense is on the field against the Browns, I like their defensive lines chances to wreck this game. The Browns offensive front, as you've seen when you watch film, has struggled. They're super banged up here lately. What have you seen from Deshaun Watson, though, who looks super rusty?
2: Super rusty, yeah, I agree with that assessment, but I I get nervous. You know, I kind of went in because that's been the national kind of storyline about him is that he is rusty, and that's 100% true. You watch the Houston game, and you say that's not a viable quarterback at any level of football. And you watch uh, the Baltimore game, a little bit better. Bengals game, a little bit better. And then, you know, I know his completion percentage was very, very low. In the Saints game, I think it was 49%. But then if you look at the adjusted completion percentage, which basically gives you all drops as completions, he's at 75%. And he is absolutely dealing in portions of that game where he's escaping pressure, you know, getting the ball out of his hand quick, pushing the ball down the field, tight window throws in that deep third of the field. And I thought, man, like this, This game in this cold weather on this ice rink of a turf here looks like a guy that I played with in 2019 and looks like the guy in 2020 who was the third best graded quarterback in the NFL behind a Super Bowl winning Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Like that is the thing that kind of makes me nervous is he does seem to be progressing and he's had two kind of lackluster passing performance, you know, from a receiver drop standpoint. You know, because of weather, I think is what the Cleveland media would have you would lead you to believe. And so, the fact that this is going to be a nice, clear weather game, and they're seeming to push each week more and more responsibility into Deshaun Watson's hands and on his plate, it makes me nervous, quite frankly, that he's going to come out and be dealing against the secondary in Washington that's a little bit banged up. So, I think your your observation about the defensive line needing to show up, needing to be productive, is going to be absolutely critical because if this guy gets rolling. He's very, very talented.
0: I just never worry about offenses that are run dominant against this defense. Like they're really good at stopping the run. And when you and I were talking about the Giants and we were X and O in a little bit pregame, I worried some about Daniel Jones keeping the football because they, in non-traditional ways, like they get hit on the Ray Ray McLeod jet action for seventy plus. You know, Daniel Jones or Justin Fields as a quarterback running non-traditionally speaking, you can hit them on some stuff. But just lining up and handing it to your running back, they've been awesome for months at this point. So Nick Chubb is their best player. Like this is the kind of offense I kind of want them to have to play in a big game.
2: Yeah, I think that's one hundred percent right. I think when you look at that's been a really interesting kind of metamorphosis by the Cleveland Browns offense early in in, in the season. They're in the eye, you know, Chubb is seven yards deep. He's running downhill. He's super effective, and then all of a sudden, as Deshaun's taken over. They're in the offset gun. They're doing a lot of this zone read stuff. They're kind of laying the foundation for like an RPO, you know, Philadelphia-ish, you know, New York Giants-ish based offense. And he's becoming no longer the feature. They're kind of shifting that again towards the Deshaun Watson thing, right? So it, it'll be really interesting because I do think the defensive line for Washington, the front of Washington, matches up really well, but you know, in this game where the weather's really good and a team that's trying to transition to their multi-million dollars offseason acquisition, like how much of that are you actually going to see is my question. And uh, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm really curious to see because they are kind of undergoing kind of this identity change around the quarterback position. And he does seem to be playing better. So, uh, again, like in terms of getting a lot of runs right at you right downhill, I'd be curious to see if they stick to that game plan the way they have, over the last, you know, uh, 16 weeks of the season. So that to me is kind of the compelling storyline in this game is what Deshaun Watson do you get? And is he playing well enough that they just say, you know, bump the uh, run game, let's throw the football all over the yard. And uh, that would be very challenging for this commander's defense.
0: Who's a better player, John Allen or Daron Payne?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good question. I think they both have their strengths and their weaknesses. I think, I think John is a better power player. I think he has a little bit more nuance to his game at the moment. I think Payne is the better athlete, more raw. But I think if you were kind of to say who has the higher upside, I think it would be um, Deron Payne, ultimately. You know, he's still got a lot of growing to, to do and kind of get to the point where Allen is at. But I think from an athletic potential standpoint, Payne is phenomenal. Uh, like I said, John, more power player with a little bit of quickness, um, who has evolved as a pass rusher over the last uh, – two years since I've been covering him, kind of going from a pure power rusher to having some variation off of that, which has been pretty outstanding. So, yeah, I think they're both outstanding. But if I had to kind of bet on the future, I'd probably say Payne. But the uh, but the, the margins there are so close. You can't go wrong with either one of those guys.
0: I mean, would the GM, Logan Paulson, pay Payne when you've already paid Allen as a defensive tackle at that same position when you know you're going to have to pay Sweat? Everyone says you have to pay Chase Young. I'm not convinced of that yet, but... I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see. You got plenty of time yeah. on on that one, but I I've, I said that the moment they signed Allen, it just didn't make sense to pay Payne as well because you have to pay yeah. him more. It's the same spot, right? D tackle. You got Sweat yep. coming up, but now the season he's had, it's almost like he's giving you almost no choice but to at least use a franchise tag. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think the franchise tag is the way I would go with him. I think um, when you look at what he's done and what look at what both of those those guys have done for the defense, you say, "Man, like this is a dangerous group when they have two dynamic interior playmakers." Quite frankly, and the guys that are really helming the defense, obviously Cam Corolla is another guy that deserves a lot of credit. Jamin Davis's evolution. So it's not to say it's only those guys, uh, but you know, obviously Benjamin St. Juice as well, but. I do think that those guys are, are really good football players, and um, I think the the conundrum that you run into is is the value add with both of those those guys on the roster um, significantly greater than if you were to say like Big Phil play the nose guard this year, uh, Fedarian Mathis, and um, and we can survive maybe having more value with a you know big free agent acquisition in terms of a secondary player, like a cornerback or something like that. So that's the question that I would kind of be milling over in my mind. It doesn't seem correct to allocate all those resources to one position, but Ron has a history uh, of wanting to do that. You know, we, in a conversation, he was like, Oh, you know, I wish I would have been able to keep Star Latouille when I was in uh, Carolina and something that I look back on with a little bit of regret. And I think he kind of is looking at this situation with a similar lens. Obviously, he's going to have to evaluate a lot of different variables, but I do think that he, if he could, he would absolutely keep both guys because I think he feels that that is is the way to win defensively, is win inside with outstanding playmakers, and right now they have two of them.
0: He's Logan Paulson. He has never eaten a carb, and he doesn't (laughs) uh, use electricity, which is pretty incredible. (laughs) so at the start of the new year Logan I'm I'm trying to do a bit where I'm a little healthier so okay. I'm, thinking like about, I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about I'm in a competition with a couple of buddies so here are some yeah. of the categories we're texting now where we've come up with seven hours of sleep per night you get one point because I don't get seven okay. hours very often I've got um I need a couple servings of vegetables a day you get a point um, something within a caloric intake each of us can come up with our own number but you got to stay under that a step count. 30 minutes of exercise per day, and you get a bonus two points if you hit everything in one day. Anything else Logan Paulson would say should should be a one-point play other than getting the right sleep, eating some vegetables, keeping under a calorie count, and getting my steps and some exercise?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. Of those things, you know, because I have to advise a lot of people on weight loss just generally, if I was going to give you two things to prioritize, it would be the sleep and obviously your step count. I think people sleep on the step count more than anything because you lose you, your, your largest caloric expenditure from the day comes from not your actual workout, but rather your kind of just miscellaneous activity around the day. So, you know, people that have kind of high met- metabolic rates, people say, they tend to be very fidgety and twitchy, and they're burning calories when they fidget and twitch. So by you taking steps into account, that is a way for you to just increase your caloric demand. And I think a lot of people just sleep on how effective that can be in terms of a weight loss strategy and in terms of helping you get better sleep at night. So I would say those two things are excellent that your buddies put them in there, and I would say really dial in on those, my friend. And oh, the other thing I would say is make sure that you're consuming, if you're trying to lose weight, if that's the goal, consume more protein at the beginning of your meal because it tends to satiate more than carbohydrate, for example, and tends to keep you fuller longer. There's a thermogenic effect associated with protein as well. So that would be my other thing: more protein in your diet uh, uh, keep you fuller longer.
0: Thermogenic, silly Logan,
2: little silly, guy. silly you, guy. You didn't
0: know we were going to go. You didn't know we were going to tap into Doctor Logan today, did you?
2: <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that. It was kind of a kind of pleasant surprise. This is my you, other hobby. We're you're so fired about up things. to
0: do it, though. You want to talk about like. I, I wish I could use words now. I don't have a word to use, but you want to. You know the words.
2: I want, I want to talk about the words all the time, yeah. Well, this is my other thing. This is my other part-time job. I do this, talk about football, talk about fitness. So to get to talk about two with one of my best buds is a pretty fantastic thing.
0: Atta boy. Logie, it is great to catch up with you. We will do it again real soon.
2: All right, man. Appreciate you, bud. There's Happy Logan New Year. Talk to you. you
0: too, man. Happy New Year. Kick off 2023 the right way. Go get your steps. He just doesn't get enough. I'm worried about Logan. He's out of shape. He just doesn't get enough steps or sleep. So it's bad. What's happening with him? Just never in shape. All right, we will get you that injury report, uh, injury update from Ashburn today next, and then let's predict Carson Wentz's stat line against the Browns this weekend. I want to know attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns, picks. I want your Wentz stat line. Eight hundred six three six one zero six seven on Grant and Danny.